Hello, hello to the worldwide interwebs. Welcome to Echo Online. Yes, we want to inspire you to take your next step into this life-giving local church and discover the community and the support you've been searching for. Come join us for one of our services at Mayo High School at either 9.15 or 10.45 on Sunday. Yeah, we can't wait to meet you and welcome you into our family at Echo Church. Our hope is that Echo will truly become your place where you find a true sense of belonging, your people, where you find friendship and support, and your purpose. Yeah, where you can discover and fulfill your unique calling. We believe that that's what we're all searching for, and we're excited to share it with you. Want to hear another benefit to giving to the local church? I do. Eternal rewards. According to the Bible, giving with a sincere heart and a desire to honor God yields eternal rewards. Storing up treasures in heaven and participating in God's work on earth. So donate today. Store up a reward in heaven. And you can donate by heading to our website or simply Venmo us at We Are The Echo Church. Enjoy the rest of Echo Online. Let every eye fixed upon King Jesus. Let every tribe and tongue prepare the way Let every heart be filled with expectation The King is coming The King is coming Open the doors up Come let the light in
recently when I was young, arguing with my friends about whose dad was stronger. Come on, anybody, anybody relate to that? Okay. Uh, and uh, I kind of wonder what my kids are doing. <laughs> I don't know if they do that with me. <laughs> uh, maybe not, but um, my dad is more spiritual than your, yours. Maybe, maybe that does. But, um, but uh, anyway, so there's these two kids and they're, they're arguing with each other and one of the, the, the boys say, well, my dad's faster than your dad. He can throw a football and run it up, run so fast underneath it and catch it on the other side. Come on, anybody, any dads out there, can you do that? Okay, we've got an honest room in here, okay. Um, and the other kid was not very impressed and he goes, well, my dad's a state worker and he's faster than yours. He, uh, he gets off at five, but he's always home by 4.30. <laughs> Come on, is my joke getting better? Okay, I was told in the first hour at least 1%. 1%, come on. I'll give you 1% a week, maybe, probably not. Once 1% a month, okay? Uh, you know, this last, uh, this last weekend, real quickly, I'll, we went up to, uh, for a weekend for us or whatever, Christy and I and our kids went up to our land. We got some land up north, and we're just balling on a budge, as my wife would call it. And uh, we had to spread some gravel, and so we ordered 20 one tons of gravel. We ordered 14, but 21 was delivered. And as they were spreading it out, they were trying to spread it out, you know, so it'd be a little easier for us. It just dumped in a humongous pile. So we're talking about, we're talking about like eight feet wide, 20 feet long and about five feet high. And I looked at that with Christy and I was thinking, I am the stronger dad here. We can do this. And and you better believe I got my kids to help me out. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> oh, man. I just, um, you know, I, I, love, um, I love Echo Church. I love you guys. And I was sitting there in worship, and I just love how the Holy Spirit works. And, and just that reminder that God, our God is able. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's capable. And let us stop denying him of his power and what he wants to do within us. And, and I just want to remind us today, as a church, let's not stop believing in the power of what God can do in a life. Let us, let us never stop believing what God can do in a family and what he can do through the power of a healthy God-led father. And, and, and honestly, like I think today is just a, a, a good uh, time to remember that. And obviously uh, we believe in the mothers and there's super uncles and mentors and we appreciate you too. And we want, we want God to continue to mold and make us. And what we want to do over the summer here is just go through uh, the book of John, first John, and, uh, and kind of just unpack uh, what God, I feel, wants to tell us as a church and our season and see where God kind of leads us. And, uh, and so if you have your Bibles, open up to First John. We're in a new series called The Good Life. There was 21 tons of gravel dropped at the land, and we worked and toiled as much as we could to get that spread out so we could back up that airstream. And once we got that done, I went and got the boat. We threw it on the water, and there was a moment where I was driving uh, to, to uh, off the landing and, and towards uh, my lakefront. And, and I realized, man, now this is the good life. <laughs> and, and I honestly believe that God wants to give us that good life. And we're going to find that out in this first John uh, book here momentarily. But just to give you a little bit 
bit of an overview, and I want to geek out a little bit because I think understanding the premise of this letter would really help us with the kind of undertaking of reading this through the whole summer. And so just a few things I want you to know about 1 John. 1 John, there are three key themes that you see repeated throughout uh, this, this letter, and, and it's, it's about life, light, and love. Okay, and there's an argument on who wrote this book, but most commentaries believe that at least they can agree that John wrote the book. Well, whoever that John was is probably not as important, but, but John repetitively talks through this, this, this book, uh, Life, Light, and the Love of God. In fact, if I break it down even further, there's two main sections within 1 John, and the first one is found in 1 John 1 through 3, and it really emphasize, emphasis, emphasizes on God as light, and then 3 through 5 emphasis, or emphasizes on God as love. Now, I believe John is writing this because um, he's trying to emphasize, uh, emphasize on really the, maybe the theology um, and the belief of who God is and wants to over-reiterate that God is light and that God is love. And he writes this letter because the church has got some drama going on. And there's a little bit of a tension and John feels compelled to write to this church because what has happened is there's been deceivers and false prophets and antichrists that have entered the church. Now, fun fact, antichrist is found in 1 John and in not, and not in Revelations. And so many times we, we, we kind of associate the antichrist to be with the end times. But what, what is probably more accurate is actually the Antichrist in the beginning of the church and actually living amongst us today. And, and again, like it, it's so often we can look at it and go, well, no, it's just like this epic Antichrist leader demon dude that's gonna bring the world to destruction. But actually what it is, is a person that looks quite like you and might be sitting next to you. Okay, don't point fingers. Okay, don't accuse anybody. But, but honestly, like, it's just like the, 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 the half-truths that leak into the church and, and starts destroying it from the inside out. And so John is writing to people who are work or living their life and teaching things that are just simply anti-Christ. It's the opposite direction of what Christ intended for us. And really the main concern of John as he's writing this letter is to encourage unity. Everybody say unity. The unity of believers and fellowship with one another. And in fact, at some point he talks about how if that fellowship is actually lived and experienced, then your joy will be complete. And if our joy is complete, let me say it like this in modern day terms, then we can live the good life. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, live the good life. Live the good life. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to experience life to the full. He wants us to experience life and joy in completion. And so today I'm going to read through the first chapter of 1 John. I know that's maybe a little bit uncommon. Uh, but just open up your Bibles. Would you do that? Open your Bibles. Open up your phones and read along with me. It's a little bit longer, but I uh, hope, hope you get something out of it today. First John 1 says this. This is that which from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched 
This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim, everybody say proclaim. Proclaim. And you see this repeated. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and has appeared to us. In verse three, it says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard and so that you may also fellowship with him. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this, John writes this to make our joy complete. Someone say our joy. joy. John is writing this so that his joy might be complete and that the listener and the people in that community, that their joy would be complete. And I believe he's writing in the modern day terms today that my joy would be complete and that your joy would be complete because we are firmly placed on the foundation of what God has intended. Verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you, proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And lean into this one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is able and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Everybody say amen. That is the word of God. John writes this and what he's trying to do is this, is redirect that new Testament church to be where God wants it to be. But what has happened is this, is deceivers, okay? Those antichrists, the people who are kind of teetering on the, the light and the darkness are in the midst of them. And, 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 and I, let me say it like this. I believe that there is many people, there's people in that church that love the idea of Jesus, but don't love the idea of following Jesus. Do y'all hear what I just said there? And so often people, when they hear about Jesus and what he did on the cross and how he forgives our sins and how he loves the world, we love the idea of love. We love the idea of who Jesus is. But like the next step of our faith is actually following in the same lifestyle that Jesus himself lived. Therefore, it's not just loving the idea of who Jesus is, but beginning to love who Jesus is and following in his footsteps. And, uh, and, and so often as a church, you know, again, it's just like, it, again, like I think we have this really large picture of who the Antichrist is, but really what it is, is just a few people coming in with small little ideas that change the way we think, the way that we follow God, that really turn us from where God wants us to go. And uh, as I read this scripture, um, and I was thinking about this good life series and going through the first, first John uh, one, I just thought like, man, you know, it'd be really, really important for this church to get into. And I really haven't really talked much about this from really the inception of Echo Church uh, is, is I think we start, we need to start memorizing scripture. 
Like, I think it'd be a really good practice to just start memorizing some scripture to help lay the foundation of what we believe and the, the foundation of where we want to go and who we want to be and who we want God or what we want God to do in our life. And so I just, throughout the series, if you don't mind, I'm just going to throw out a memory, uh, a memory verse uh, that I want to encourage every single one of us this week to memorize. And that's just kind of in the... Uh, in our toolbox to go ahead and uh, try to live out. And, and this is one of my favorite scriptures because it was one of my dad's favorite scriptures and, and he always repeated it to me and he always kind of quotes it. And, and I just thought, man, you know what? If we could buy into this theology, man, I think we'd be in a better place. Uh, let's read this together. If we confess, let's try that again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us from our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I mean, isn't that a great scripture to memorize? In fact, you know, get your phone out, take a photo of that here. And, and, and honestly, like if we could memorize this and not just memorize this, but if this could truly grab a hold of our life, I don't want to go into this because I'll bring it up here later, but like, like I think the modern day church has forgotten the power of confession. I think we have, and again, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, forgive me, but, but I think a lot of times when we think of confession, we think like that's confession between God and man, us, our relationship with Jesus, and that confession is just solely put on to asking God for our forgiveness, but I think there is a, I don't think, I know that there is a forgotten power that is available to us because we ourselves are not confessing our sins, not only to God, but to one another. And, 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 and again, let me just say it. I want to be a church that is real. I want to be a church that, that when we walk into this space or in our table communities or, or at our workplace, like we don't need to fake it to make it, but we walk into a place fully confessing where we're at. And not being afraid of what people might think about us. And so often there is this, this certain image that, that, that we think we need to look like, we need to sound like, we need to act like when we come into church. And I just want to lay it down here and just kind of create a little bit of culture and echo church. Now I want to come as we are, but be completely available for God to take us where he wants us to go. Does that make sense? As we are, it means we don't fake it. We don't need to lie. We need to step into God's truth and allow him to move us in the direction that he wants to take us. But I think confession is a really important key. So anyway, put, put that in your phone. Let's memorize that. Uh, I want to unpack just a few things that I saw in scripture and one in the scripture. One of the things uh, is, is a spiritual progression of sorts. In fact, I kind of see it as a circle that eventually kind of turns onto itself. But what we see is this. We see an experience which leads to a proclamation which eventually leads to fellowship with one another. And the way that I want to present it is this, is scripturally we see that people, it's a, it's script, and we see this in the Bible, we see that they heard, they saw, and they touched God. They themselves had a experience, a personal experience with Jesus, 
or the Holy Spirit. And because they had that experience, they end up proclaiming the amazing work that God has done to other people around them. And they weren't ashamed to do that. And because of their sharing, more people stepped into fellowship, not just with the people, but a fellowship with our Heavenly Father, with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ himself. This is a spiritual progression that we all need to experience. And what I need to do is just kind of back up and just kind of like, let's land on the herd scene and touch. That is a personal experience. I know I've said it a few times, but I'm going to say it again. That is a personal experience with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you this, it cannot be your grandparents' experience. It cannot be your mother or father's experience. It cannot be your coworkers. It can't be your bosses. It can't be your neighbors. It can't be your sisters or brothers it's, or your wives or your, or your husbands. It has to be your experience. This is what has been ordained from the beginning of time that God has desired to come walk in the midst of your space, of your life. Jesus, God walking into the garden with Adam is in essence a picture of what he wants to do with you. He wants to walk into your space in your metaphorical garden and he wants to be seen and he wants you to hear him and he wants you to sense his loving and joyful and peaceful and refining touch. That's what he wants to do. And as I was thinking about this specific part of the message, I I was just thinking like, man, like where did I experience a lot of that when I was growing up? And you know, I got to be quite honest, like the one thing that I really appreciate about my mom and dad is they invested in the church and church experiences for me. And one of the places where I experienced God, like, like bar none above all other places was at camp. And year after year after year, I would go back to that, to those camps. And I'm telling you what, in, uh, there, there, was, there was a power of, yes, you know, we didn't have them in this, but there's a power today in leaving your phone at home, yeah. okay? And, and being in community with, with other kids your age, they're doing the same thing. But there was something, and I can't even articulate it to the fullest measure, but there was something about this, ex, this, this expectation of meeting with God with hundreds of other people in a space and then not putting a timestamp on it and say, God, we're just here. And year after year after year, I experience God. And let me say it like this, okay? And this is, this is a metaphor, so just, just bear with me. But I felt like year after year, I would go to camp and, and God would just put his fingerprint upon my heart. And in fact, so if, if, if like we were to open up my chest, you know, spiritual chest, and, and you were to like, 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 check my heart. I just sense because of that returned kind of habitual uh, experience of seeking God, like honestly, like I, in an early age, had the fingerprint of God placed upon my heart. This is kind of a shameless plug. This is the same as shameless plug. If parents, if you are not sending your kids to camp, you need to do that. Like we invest in sports camps, I mean, some of you probably invest in spelling bee camps. Who knows? Those are good too, yeah. Trust me, I should have been at it. I send your kids to camp. 
And again, I know that creates some problems with Sam and Isaiah because transportation is always a big deal, but I'd much rather have a problem. And for your kids, they experience the tangible presence of God's love that would change them forever. Camp matters. Now, some of you are like, but I'm not a kid. I can't go to camp. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you can go counsel. What I would tell you this is you can have that same experience here. And, and, and again, some of you are like, well, why would I send my kids to camp? I'm just telling you, if you can spend a whole week seeking God, there's a really good chance that you're going to experience that. You know? But I'm just trying to tell you here, you know, this is what Sunday mornings are for, for us to, to unwind and, and, and really create this atmosphere of, of saying, Jesus, like, man, I know you want to do something in my heart today. And Holy Spirit, I know you want to do your work. And, and, and honestly, like, I believe with all my heart that God wants to give you a experience with him in this scenario. In fact, I just thought like today, like even at this very moment, this was an ideal space and time for us to just pause and invite God to do something even in your life today. Even at this moment. And some of you are like, but where's the keyboard? Where's the piano? It kind of sets the mood. You know, say, we don't need it. And so let me just do this, do this real quick. We just close your eyes. We you go ahead and just not worrying about anybody else around you. You just put your hands, your palms up on your, on your legs. And Holy Spirit, we, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, we don't need camp. We need you. Before we even entered this room, you were here. And we have stepped into this space not only to maybe gain some information, but be truly transformed, that there would be a transformation by your presence. Because some of us, we came into this space and we feel far from you. Some of us walk into this place and we feel like you're distant. Some of us walk into this place and we feel like we're the untouchable. But God, I just believe and I stand firm on this promise that you're the same yesterday, today, and you are the same tomorrow. And God, I just ask that that because you, 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 you stepped into so many people's life when you walked on earth that you would do the same today with your Holy Spirit. So God, I just, I just pray for those that God, that, that maybe have not yet had a personal experience with you. God, that this very moment, God, that you would step in the room, God, that you would put your hand upon their shoulder, God, that they, that they would see you and that they would hear your voice and that their joy would be made complete because Lord, you invaded their life and their heart. In their mind. In fact, God, I just ask that you would that you you would enter in, God, and you would make space in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said. Now some of you are like, well, I didn't feel anything today. Come back next week. And some of you are like, well, next week I'm not gonna feel you. Well, go ahead and make space at home. Make some space in your car. Live a life that invites God to step into your life and who knows when he might show up and your mind and your spirit is blown because God is faithful. Anybody agree with that? Everybody shout amen. God wants to encounter you. 
The second component, again, is you, you have this personal experience with God, again, a personal experience with God. The next natural movement is that there would be a proclamation of what you experienced. Let me say it like this. That experience, that personal experience is not just for you, but is always meant to be proclaimed to somebody else. In verse two, it says, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We experienced it, and now we proclaim to you the eternal life. We proclaim what we have just experienced. And that word proclaim, I love doing this. I love interconnecting other scriptures. That word proclaim shows up in the story in Mark 5, verse 14. It's a story where Jesus has just crossed the lake and he's gone to the Gentile side, like the non-believers side, and he gets out of the boat and all of a sudden this demonized man who can't even be contained by chains comes and it looks like he's going to attack the group and Jesus, in essence, casts out the demon and, and it's a unique story. Where he casts them is a bunch of, like it's like 2,000 pigs and they go into the pigs and it drives the pigs crazy and they jump off this cliff and in essence ruin the economy of the Gentiles and that little space, that little region. Well, how many of you know there were herdsmen there? There were people that, that had seen it, and this is what they do. They experience that, and they're like, wow, man, this is kind of crazy. Like, we knew this guy was crazy, but now, like, who's this guy that's coming after him? And he's killed all of our, our, our pigs, and, man, took all of our prophets. And in verse 2, it says, or I'm sorry, verse 14, it says, those tending the pigs ran off and proclaimed. They reported to the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. Happened. That means Jesus was there for a while. And they came under, they sat and watched Jesus. And, and what we read in the story is that people were actually freaked out and they actually didn't really even like the idea of Jesus. And they said, you know what, actually, we would like for you to leave. They said they feared Jesus. And so Jesus was like, okay, well, I'll get up and go. And just as he's leaving, verse 18, it says this, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged him to go with him. But Jesus didn't let him go, but said, go home to your own people and proclaim. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I bring up that story because that same word proclaim is in those, those two references. How many of you know that there can be people who come into church and they see it as a function or an organization and they might leave and they may proclaim a message that's not exactly true to who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do. And how many of you know that this herdsman, they experienced Jesus, but they didn't experience Jesus in the same way as the demon-possessed person. So what they saw was this, is Jesus, you came in and you totally screwed up our income. You totally screwed up our livelihood. You screwed up our comfort zone. And what did they do? They left and they proclaimed that message to people. So much so that that seed came back to this zone or this, this place of teaching. And guess what? They could not even receive anything further. But you know, I've always read this story. And I'm like, Jesus, why, why, did you, why didn't you let this man come with you and sit underneath your discipleship? Why did you send him out right away? Well, it's because he wanted to proclaim. He wanted him to leave to go proclaim the right message of Jesus Christ to a nation and to a people that, was getting, that were getting the wrong message. And I hate to break it to you. That's the calling of Echo Church. 
So many people are yelling and screaming about who the church is and what the church is all about. But what Jesus wants is a bunch of people that are, that are going to church, that are a part of church, that have truly experienced the love of God and the Holy Spirit and his working hand that we might leave this place to proclaim the right message and change the city. That's what he wants from us, and that's why he sent that demon-possessed person. You know what I love about it? He, didn't, he wasn't equipped. He wasn't ready. But guess what? The demon-possessed man and did what Jesus told him, and guess what? And I don't know what the timeline is, but Jesus eventually returns to that nation, and guess what? The people received the message that was proclaimed because one person, one person experienced Jesus firsthand. He saw him, he heard him, he was touched by him and he left and he proclaimed and it changed. I believe it set up. It set up the apostles to come after to speak to the Gentiles so that they themselves might receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, I think it's so awesome. So so what's, what's this message that we as believers are supposed to proclaim? Here it is. God is light and there is no darkness. Number one, God is light. And there is no darkness. Now, you know, takers, you're going to hate it because I'm going to just scream through this. God is light. This is what we're called to proclaim, that God is light and there is no darkness. Number two, if we claim fellowship but continue to walk in darkness, we live a lie. Y'all hear that? If we claim fellowship but continue to walk in darkness, we live a lie. If we start believing the lie then we might be led to this idea if we claim, we might claim to have no sin. And when we claim to have no sin, with no fault, no need for Jesus Christ, or, the, or we love the idea of Jesus, but we don't need to follow Jesus, then guess what, guess what happens? We are self-deceived, or we, we become the deceivers ourselves. So we proclaim this message that there, God is light and that there is no darkness within it. We claim, uh, if we claim fellowship, then we've got to, walk away from darkness and towards light. And if we don't, that we live, we, we live a lie. And we need to make sure we're not claiming that there are no sin amongst us. Otherwise, we ourselves become the deceiver that John is trying to address. And then the fourth thing, and I've mentioned already, there is a power of confession. Confession leads to the last point, and that's fellowship. I believe the best context for Confession is fellowship. The Greek word is koinonia. Or we say koinonia. Koinonia, Koinonia, if you look up that Greek word, it means means, uh, community or communion. Community or communion. If you look at the root word of koinonia, it means to partner, means to find a comrade or to find something in common. The New Testament begins in Acts, at the beginning of the New Testament church is Acts really 2. Acts 2.42, it talks about how the New Testament church is steadfast in doctrine, is steadfast in koinonia, breaking of bread, and in prayer. I don't know if you know this, but I've got a wheel that kind of like, like visually illustrates the foundation of what Echo Church is. And one of the scriptures that are one of the spokes is Acts 2.42, that we as a church, we're steadfast in doctrine. We're committed to fellowship, koinonia. We're, we want to find things that are common amongst us, seeking the same common Jesus Christ and the experience of the Holy Spirit, and that we're committed to breaking of bread, remembering what Christ has done and what Christ is doing and what he's 
he's going to do and that we're committed to prayer and spiritual practices and worship. That's what true, and this is where true koinonia happens. 2 Corinthians 6.14 also talks about koinonia. It says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, but koinonia, fellowship, what, uh, what koinonia has relate or righteousness with unrighteousness? What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What fellowship does koinonia have with light and darkness? I guess what I'm trying to tell you this is if, if you've experienced God, which I believe every single person, that's ava- it's available to every single person, and then there's this proclamation and, and which a proclamation of faith will always invite people to church, will always invite people into a new faith walk, will always invite people into your life. And if they see and they experience God, then they step into a fellowship and that fellowship is where we're discipled, where we're changed from the inside out, but ultimately fellowship, the koinonia, is what's supposed to create the context so that people hear, see, and have this experiential touch of the Holy Spirit. So I know I'm kind of geeking out on you today, but I honestly want to just like be this type of church. I want to be this type of people where we allow God to continue to do his work. Here's a few quotes on koinonia. Eugene Peterson, who writes or helped write the message, uh, koinonia is a fellowship that takes you somewhere. It moves you from the, kello, uh, the, casu- uh, the casual hello, how are you, to come and see. It's a fellowship, it's a community that says, guess what? Come and see that the Lord is good. Come and see that your joy can be complete. Come and see that God loves you. How about this from Paul David Tripp, a pastor? Koinonia happens when people join together in love, serving and giving and discover the blessing of authentic community. Koinonia is this experiential, authentic community. How about this by C.S. Lewis? Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to one another. So koinonia is born, okay? Koinonia is born at the moment when one person says to another what? It says one another, I'm gonna say, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. It's a picture of honesty within the church, honesty in relationship with one another. Honesty in saying, yeah, I know, man, like, like yeah, I'm a sinner too. <laughs> Sin doesn't need to control my life, but guess what? Jesus has atoned for my sin. And he's patient and he's doing his work. He's continuing to do it. And then lastly, A.W. Tozer, which is one of my favorite uh, Christian authors, A real Christian community is a band of men and women who walk and work together in fear of God and the love of Christ. I want to be this type of church. I want to be a church that's committed to koinonia. I want to be a church that's committed to fellowship. I want to be a church that is okay with honesty. And and I I want to be a church that... that, um, that fights for authenticity. I want to be a people that, that refuse to live a lie. I, I want to be a pe- person who proclaims this message and lives out before men, not walking on a tightrope of darkness and light, but be a people that step fully into the light and walk away from the darkness that we just put our tippy toes in once in a while. 
I want God to continue to give us the, the, the strength and the power to jump over the line and fully find rest and find joy and find the good life within his light, his life and his love that he has ordained for you. I was thinking about this message and thinking about maybe kind of the informational component and the spiritual component of what we're talking about today. Uh, but then I was thinking, what can we do practically? And, and, and practically, I, I just want to say this is I, I believe that generational impact, generational impact happens best with contact. Let me say this. I think generational impact happens best in koinonia, in the context that God has created us to be in. You know what the modern day garden is? The modern day garden is the local church. It's, it's you, you stepping into a table community today and saying, God, you know what? I've been doing this alone and I've been confessing to myself and I've been fighting sin by myself. I've been fighting against darkness by myself. I believe the context that God wants to step into is a light and a community that is for each other and are gonna fight for each other and are going to move forward together. Generational impact happens with contact. And I was thinking about a big idea and it actually didn't have this really well thought through until worship, you know, before first service. And I just thought this would be fun to kind of lay it down just for us to leave here with this idea of doing something immediately. And here's my big idea. Why does it need to be a holiday to articulate and appreciate the impact that someone has had in your life? I mean, really just think about this. There's been someone in your life that you've seen, you've heard, and they've touched you in a significant manner. And maybe today is a great day to proclaim and to say thank you and to appreciate what they have done in your life. In fact, I just feel this is, this is kind of in a deeper sense. I feel some of you like, like, yeah, there's some people in the past that have made a really life-changing impact to your life, but for some reason there's been distance, there hasn't been any contact, and maybe God is calling you to re-enter into a community with them to move forward together. So I'm just kind of wondering, I'm wondering if we would be gutsy enough to contact somebody who's made an impact into your life today and to articulate, to appreciate, to say thank you for what they've done in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, I just sense that there are people that walked into this space and They're teetering on life, or really life and death, light and darkness. I got a sense today is the day that your infinite power, your ability and your desire to be in relationship with them could change everything. So Holy Spirit, would you come into this space and, and God, would you, would you once again work on our hearts and our mind and renew it and, and lead us and guide us? I just ask that you would help us 
step into a life-giving local church that is committed to koinonia and fellowship and fighting for one another with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Echo Church, will you stand up every week? We pray a prayer, and this prayer is a reminder of a commitment to step into a fellowship in a relationship with the Heavenly Father through our Son, Jesus. It's an acknowledgement that we are a sinner and we need God's saving and His forgiveness. Let us pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen.
Come on, let's give God some glory this morning.